Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the Other Side of I Do podcast. I am your host, Jan Bugai. You're listening to the podcast dedicated to providing a space for husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, to come and hear others share their stories and some of their journey after saying I do. It's a space to share that whatever season you're in, you're not alone, and to gain some insight, encouragement, and resources to work towards being a better version of yourself for yourself and your families. If you are here for the first time, thank you for joining. And if you're returning, welcome back. Welcome back to part two of our three-part mini-series based upon the book by Danny Silk, Keep Your Love On, Connection, Communication, and Boundaries. In part one, we pulled a chapter from the connection section, Turn Your Love On, and identified the five love languages. I hope you took a moment to speak to your spouse or others you're in close relationship with and share the ways you perceive and receive love. And I pray those conversations were fun as well as enlightening. It is a pleasure to continue with part two today. We're diving deep into section two of the book, Communication. Communication is my theme for relationships because communication is an area of weakness for me. And I love how this podcast has increased my vulnerability as it has become a training course for me to become a better communicator. Thank you guys for being on this course with me as we learn skills to make progress. Before we go any further, let me make this disclaimer. The information shared in the podcast today does not override the need to seek out professional counseling. And some points made today will definitely highlight the need for counseling and inner work if you resonate with the subject and examples made in today's topic. This is just another resource to help identify some areas that may need to be addressed. Within part two of the book, Danny has written three chapters as it relates to communication. Today, we're going to pull from chapter six, the trust cycle. Trust is required in every healthy relationship. And he states that we're actually designed to live out of trust. He describes the trust cycle as having four parts. You have a need. You express the need. There's a response to the need. And then the need is satisfied. Now, anywhere along that trust cycle, at any point, there can be a breakdown. And whenever the trust cycle is not completed, mistrust happens. But make note, mistrust doesn't necessarily mean the other person didn't complete the trust cycle. Say, for example, you have a need, but you don't express your need. If you don't express the need, then the other person isn't given the opportunity to even know the need, nor meet it. In that example, the mistrust is actually on the person who didn't share their need. Did they not share their need because they didn't trust the other person to meet it? Had they had experiences in the past where they had expressed their needs, been open, been vulnerable, and the other person didn't respond? Or if they did respond, Was it in a negative way? 
Was the need never met? If so, the mistrust is actually the fear of trusting someone else. Most of us have experienced some form of broken trust. If these wounds are not healed and truth and trust is restored, he says those wounds will ultimately fester and damage our ability to create intimacy in our relationships. Intimacy, into me see. It's the ability to be vulnerable and allow others in to see who we really are. When wounds go unhealed, sometimes we lie to ourselves and repeat phrases and thoughts like, no one loves me. If he really knew how I was, he wouldn't love me. If she really knew how I was, she wouldn't love me. Even God doesn't love me. He explains that just one bad experience or one lie you believe can bring significant pain and relational handicaps in your life. For people who grew up in environments where they consistently experienced neglect or punishment in response to their needs, the damage may be extremely significant. If the cycle of mistrust continues, it creates someone a feeling of hopelessness about ever having their needs met because they are unable to trust others in form relational connections, strong relational connections that is. He says these people may feel so cut off from love that they become what he calls survivors. Because they are just trying to survive, they learn to manipulate their environment and other people in an effort to get at least some of their needs met. Because of years of neglect, abandonment, and abuse, they may believe that they're actually unworthy of love and they don't expect relationships to last. The cycle has never made it safe for them to trust or to be vulnerable, nor has it allowed them to um, develop the opportunity to build emotional resources to even try to meet someone else's needs. Survivors end up creating a reality where they're not loved, relationships don't last, and the pain of unmet needs continues to destroy their lives. Danny details this reality that survivors experience, but he also encourages all of us to know that God will meet our needs when we cry out to him. Knowing that we are loved by God, we can learn to trust again and build relationships beginning with him first and then others that will satisfy. You are not too far away and no hurt too extreme that he can't love you through it. If there's anyone listening and feeling like a survivor, as Danny describes, remember inner work is required, but you can work through it. Please seek professional help and God's guidance. Regardless of whether you identify as a survivor or just one who may not have learned how to clearly express your needs, let's talk about the importance of expressing our needs and how to express them.
He shares that we can't build a strong bond of trust without being able to communicate and meet one another's needs. And if we are unable to clearly and effectively communicate our needs, it's going to be very difficult for the other person to meet them. It's sad to say that there are many of us, myself included, that have not consistently had the skills to express our thoughts, feelings, and needs. And yet somehow, without the proper skills, we just expect relationships to function well without it. People who lack the skill tend to say things like, don't you know me by now? Haven't you been paying attention? If you knew me, then you would just know what I need. Danny stresses that our needs can't get met without expressing them because we were designed by God to have our needs met through a relational exchange. God created us. He knows everything about us, including our needs. Yet he desires for us to communicate with him and to him, to ask for what we need. Now, if the one who already knows our needs desires us to come to him, to express what's on our heart to him and to connect with him, then he is the one that's setting the pattern for our earthly relationships. So as we're communicating, be aware there are three things he shares that each person in a respectful relationship should understand. One, I am responsible to know what is going on inside of me and communicate it to you. Two, I do not expect you to know, nor will I assume that you know it. And three, I will not make assumptions about what is going on inside of you. Now to narrow those three down, it's basically saying, it's my job to tell you about me and your job to tell me about you. That's all to it. But how do we do that? How do we do that effectively? Danny gives us a tool that he describes as the best way to express to another person about yourself. And he says, use something called an I message. An I message statement goes something like this. I feel blank. And he says, put an emotion in that blank. When, then describe the experience. And I need to feel blank. Give another emotion. Here's an example. I feel neglected when you make plans without me and I need to feel loved. He says an I message is designed to let the other person know what is happening within you. Not for you to let them know what you think about them or what you think they need to do. So as you state your I message, make sure you're expressing a feeling instead of an opinion. And to help do that, state I feel instead of I think or I feel like. Because when you begin the I message in those ways, it's likely that the next word you say is going to be an opinion or a judgment. For example, I feel like you neglect me when you make plans without me. Now that statement may sound similar to my initial statement of, I feel neglected when you make plans without me. But is really saying that the other person is neglectful instead of stating the emotion 
the person feels because of the experience. Judgment statements say, this is what's wrong with you and I want you to change. So we don't want to make judgment statements. We are to identify our feelings, who we are and what we need, not tell the other person who we think they are. iMessages also allows us to let the other person see our true emotions and then allows them to decide how they're going to respond. Danny reminds us that in doing this, it's not only a vulnerable act on our part, but it's also a powerful one. Because by doing so, we actually protect the other person's choice to move towards us and meet our needs on their terms. It's powerful because we're not trying to control another person. And powerful people do not try to control others. Powerful people express their feelings and allow the other to respond. Now, after the I message has been stated, if you're on the receiving end, he says you have a few decisions to make. One, are you going to honor the vulnerability offered, value the person's need, and figure out how you can meet it? Are you going to be powerful enough to adjust yourself in order to move toward the person and protect your connection and trust? No matter which of these choices you make, both of them require you to be just as vulnerable as it took for the other person to express his or her need. It really is scary and humbling to allow someone's needs to influence our heart and our actions, but it is necessary in order to complete the trust cycle. And as I read this chapter, I want to let you know that one of the most eye-opening revelations Danny states in this section is that one of our needs in a relationship is to be able to meet the other person's need. Did you hear that? He says, one of our needs in a relationship is to be able to meet the other person's needs. Now I had to think about that. But what he's saying is we need them to receive our love. We need our spouses to receive our love. We need the people that we're in close relationship to receive our love. He says an I message is designed to let the other person know what is happening within you. Not for you to let them know what you think about them, what you think they need to do. So as you state your I message, make sure you're expressing a feeling instead of an opinion. And to help do that, state I feel instead of I think or I feel like. Because when you begin the I message in those ways, it's likely that the next word you say is going to be an opinion or a judgment. For example, I feel like you neglect me when you make plans without me. Now that statement may sound similar to my initial statement of, I feel neglected when you make plans without me. But it's really saying that the other person is neglectful instead of stating the emotion the person feels because of the experience. Judgment statements say, this is what's wrong with you and I want you to change. So we don't want to make judgment statements. 
we are to identify our feelings, who we are and what we need, not tell the other person who we think they are. iMessages also allows us to let the other person see our true emotions and then allows them to decide how they're going to respond. Danny reminds us that in doing this, it's not only a vulnerable act on our part, but it's also a powerful one. Because by doing so, we actually protect the other person's choice to move towards us and meet our needs on their terms. It's powerful because we're not trying to control another person. And powerful people do not try to control others. Powerful people express their feelings and allow the other to respond. Now, after the I message has been stated, if you're on the receiving end, he says you have a few decisions to make. One, are you going to honor the vulnerability offered, value the person's need, and figure out how you can meet it? Are you going to be powerful enough to adjust yourself in order to move toward the person and protect your connection and trust? No matter which of these choices you make, both of them require you to be just as vulnerable as it took for the other person to express his or her need. It really is scary and humbling to allow someone's needs to influence our heart and our actions, but it is necessary in order to complete the trust cycle. And as I read this chapter, I wanna let you know that one of the most eye-opening revelations Danny states in this section is that one of our needs in a relationship is to be able to meet the other person's need. Did you hear that? He says, one of our needs in a relationship is to be able to meet the other person's needs. Now I had to think about that. But what he's saying is we need them to receive our love. We need our spouses to receive our love. We need the people that we're in close relationship to receive our love. The vulnerability of sharing our feelings helps to create intimacy in our relationships, the experience of being completely known and accepted while completely knowing and accepting the other person in return. We must be willing to offer the truth of who we are to those we love and receive the truth of who they are. And through inner healing, God's guidance, and being intentional about communicating effectively, it is possible. Thank you again for learning with me as I share ways to keep your love on. Share this episode and see you all next time.